0: What is going on, everybody? Um, welcome back into the Clubhouse Sports Podcast. I am your host, Frank Straub. Happy Mother's Day to everybody, and I am stepping away from the festivities to record this segment on Bryce Mitchell and Charles Rosa at UFC 249. We're going to examine their jujitsu, examine the ground game and how technically beautiful that was, everything that comes with that. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram at clubhouse.cast, Twitter at pod underscore quadpass, clubhouse, TikTok at one, one Subscribe, like if you um, enjoy the YouTube content. Do the same if you enjoy the podcast content on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow on Spotify, rating and review for Apple Podcasts. And then at the end here, we are going to, I'm just going to give some of my general thoughts on UFC 249 so it doesn't impede on Mitchell and Rosa that segment itself. All right, enjoy. Bryce Mitchell's victory versus Charles Rosa came via one of my favorite matchups on Saturday night. I'd say the three guys I was for sure rooting for um, and had definite bias towards were Thugman Asty himself, Cowboy, and Dominic Cruz, unfortunately. But wonderfully, um, Mitchell was the only one able to get that winning result and was able to control the affairs on the ground, leading to an eventual unanimous decision in his favor. Whilst fellow black belt Rosa displayed excellent submission defense, I want to examine how seamless and confident Mitchell looked on the mat. We'll look at it from the lens of control, which is the main objective of Brazilian G2, at least strategically. You'll see in a submission like an armbar, for example, where traditionally from mount or the progression where you're going to trap your opponent from the top, which is unorthodox, but Cowboy did do it to Mike Perry just to get that extra step. The main objective in either situation is control. Obviously, you're adding an extra layer with that trap. Back to Mitchell. Although he wasn't able to finish, he masterfully controlled the pace with fast transition and sharp movements. Let's take a look. Okay, we're going to do a little aside here to give the background on the Twister move itself. Originally a wrestling move, the Twister is a jiu-jitsu practice to finish. It was popularized by jiu-jitsu icon Eddie Bravo after his ADCC match against Royaler Gracie in 2003. Eddie is a very forward-thinking, open-minded gentleman in the game of jiu-jitsu. Obviously, you hear him on Fight Companions. Very open-minded and forward-thinking in terms of conspiracy theories as well. No matter your opinion on that, you have to acknowledge his greatness in the jiu-jitsu world. So he's always trying to evolve the game. This and the rubber guard are very good examples of that. And that influence trickles down to Bryce Mitchell himself and many other people. We'll look at Bryce Mitchell, obviously. It's rare to see in traditional Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitions, however, to, to the unorthodox nature and position from the back. Very high-level guys can pull it off at the black belt level. However, in MMA, it has gained usage and effectiveness due to the same unorthodox nature and a more MMA-friendly setup. From the back, Korean zombie Chan Sung Joon finished a fight night match with one against Leonard Garcia in 2011 after getting his back, and Bryce Mitchell finished a fight night match against Matt Sales on December 7th, 2019, just last year. The only two finishes with the Twister move in UFC history. Bryce Mitchell tried to pull it off a couple times Saturday night. Did not work. But moving back to control the theme of this episode seemingly. The effectiveness of the Twister itself comes from that. On a very grand scale in terms of the full body usage of it. Starting with the triangle over the bottom leg on the opponent. The one that's touching the mat, and a spinal pressure neck crank off the pole in the opposite direction, creating maximum tension. The key to the second step is that the undergrip, over undergrip, however near the head, similar to the Americana grip I explained with Dan for optimal closure on the move. This two fold process goes hand in hand, and is very imperative to each other f- to make that step from full control to just finishing somebody and tapping them out for it to be executed. The sequence is in the first round of the primary standout. Let's take a look. Mitchell starts very twitchy, lots of energy on his feet, moving forward, keeping in front. Finally, he moves in for a single leg after a kick attempt, about 20 seconds in. He traps uh, Rose's lower body with his weight. He moves up and achieves back control from there. Mitchell's able to get the first arm triangle attempt of Benny after Rosa turns out. Something to watch throughout the fight is also the activity and response of Rosa to Mitchell's leg traps and leg movement, and then eventually his hooks on the twister attempts. Rosa is able to turn out his hips after getting his legs free, that active fighting on the lower body. Mitchell regains the back. Rosa rolls into a guard, actually, but Mitchell is able to stay out the side outside, and takes the back once again. Rosa is able to separate and search for the reverse triangle from bottom. He's kind of in a guard, but Mitchell's off to the side. Mitchell moves to side control, scrambling, transitioning to three-quarters mount. Not only does it allow for Mitchell to keep physical leverage, but it creates limited angles for Rosa to move out. Mitchell turns into the first twister attempt. At this point, Rosa's hand fighting and head movement is the only course of action he can take. Rosa clears and Mitchell ends up in full mount. He stepped over into three quarters mount once again for clearance and optimal position of the arm triangle. Makes that small adjustment from mount to three quarters to the head arm choke, head and arm choke, uh, excuse me, attempt. Because, like I said, it gives you more leverage. And once you create that space, it's harder to come back from it. Rosa's hand fighting saves him there. Mitchell drives his shoulder into Rosa's chest, posting up his legs, one leg inside the half guard. Rosa ends the round looking to isolate Thug Nasty's left arm for a but comes up short, seemingly for a at least. All right, so this first round shows how calculated Mitchell came out, smooth and sleek in his movements, but also Rosa's submission defense with both his hands and legs at this point. Obviously, some of that fades as we get into the next two rounds, but we'll see. The second round starts very calculated and impatient f- for Bryce as well. He uses his length well on the feet to keep distance, goading Rosa into another body kick attempt, allowing him to change levels. Mitchell, that is, driving a single leg to the mat. Rosa actually gets a guillotine grip on the way down, but he can't connect it. And... Mitchell pushes through with his lead shoulder and goes towards the arm triangle once again. He's very relentless with this move, and the confidence shows. The arm triangle is being used as a setup for back control. In this certain instance, obviously, you're trying to finish with that move, but it also leads to other things, such as eventually the twister, but there's many progressions and steps to get there. But it's very calculated for Mitchell, and you can tell. Mitchell is having his way by staying deep and tight up top and responds well with leg placement down low. Moving his right leg in and out and placing the left knee up near the thigh to drive a response. And you're going to get a response from anybody. I mean, you could be a tough son of a bitch, but when somebody's driving their knee into your thigh, it's going to cause you to move to try to escape that pain. He spreads the full mount at this point after uh, Rosa opens up a little, but he follows suit. Mitchell moves up the torso and separates a little to set up an arm bar. Once again, good defense with the arms from Rosa. He's kind of in a prayer position, kind of in X position. uh, T-Rex, I think Joe Rogan said, just crossing those arms to try to uh, alleviate any entry to the head and neck area from Mitchell. The movement and adjustments from Mitchell in this stretch are very impressive. As you can because as you can see in the um film, Rosa tries to move him off with some leg action, but Mitchell responds with great movement and takes it actually as an opportunity to get that arm triangle set up again from the side back position. Uh he moves from pos- just a side position to side saw- the traditional side control here over into three quarters mount again for separation leading to that head on arm choke once again. He posts his interior knee to prevent Rosa from following him around. Um, he gets it again. Rosa turns and Mitchell takes his back because of those angles he's setting up with that choke. He drops down in another twister attempt and this time he's more patient with it. Um, he gets the arm behind the head, pretzels the bottom leg again, taking advantage of the position. now. He's not going to try to finish it right away this time. He's giving elbows to the body, but that itself allows him to close the space and tighten the hold. However, the horn sounds, and Rosa is saved by the bell. We'll look at the third round in a second. The third period begins with a similar story. Patience from Mitchell standing, Rosa trying to create offense, And another body kick attempt, this time spinning actually, allowing Mitchell to close the distance on the uh, back turn with a speedy lunge into a body takedown. He fluidly puts his hooks in on the bottom leg, I think it was the right one, to start the sequence of control into the twister. With control firmly on the lower body, Rosa and Mitchell battle up top. Mitchell grips with two hands to separate the arm. The final step of getting behind the head is giving him trouble. Still, in the third round, Rosa is able to adjust and scoots his hips out, creating space. Mitchell closes the space and gets to side control again on the turn. At this point, using his strength to get the same setup as before. Very formulaic in his transitions. His functional strength is off the charts. I mean, he's just using brute strength here. In all, after attempting the arm triangle from both half mount and the back, Mitchell is maintaining control as the fight finishes. He expressed on Saturday a very high-level jiu-jitsu, I should say, from technique to strength to adjustments and the smooth-as-butter transition. I mean, I mentioned control a thousand times in this podcast, it seemed like. It was just off the charts, off the chain, dude. But I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings in his next match. If he's going to take it to the ground and dominate like this, what else is he going to show from the ground? Is he going to have to adjust and bring some striking depending on the opponent? Um, I, 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 like, I really like Bryce Mitchell a lot and I'm excited to see what he brings. Not only next fight, like I said, but going forward. See you in the next one. So a couple other things I forgot to mention before I let you go. A couple other things that were off the charts for Bryce Mitchell in this match. Um, obviously it's cardio and endurance. If you're able to withstand... That constant pressure for the full 15 minutes, pretty much. Literally non-stop, I, I think, in this particular fight. That's some serious shit. And then you take it to just a high-level game plan and the confidence that you have in your grappling that you're going to take it to the ground and you're going to... Just no breaks, really. Just take it two rows of the whole time on the ground. And the confidence of those moves very impressive. So uh, Thrive Fantasy is a brand new DFS fantasy app. Um, they have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by only using top-tier athletes instead of the traditional salary cap format. You build your lineup around a list of prop bets for each contest you need to do choose. 10 of the 20 prop bets, plus two ice uh, picks, which uh, will protect you from late scratches or postponed games. Each unique prop has an over or under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded um, that point value if the prop is correct. For example, will Brady throw for over or under 250 yards? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you build your team score around the amount of correct props you select. Now, I know I guessed out at the end of that. That's a mouthful. However, use code clubhouse um, for $10 upon your first sign-up. Obviously, with the uh, coronavirus going around, there's not much sports going on. UFC just canceled. I was going to throw that in as maybe a possible prop bet you could throw in on Thrive Fantasy. But uh, no longer. They have a couple eSports things, but it should be, like, June, July. I think things are calming down now, so sports will eventually come back, and um, you can use uh, Thrive Fantasy to win yourself some money. So um, hop on that trend, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening and watching, everybody. In general, UFC 249 was a very well executed event. I don't know how much better they could have gotten. Obviously, Jack or Aya Hall was interrupted, unfortunately, by the Jack testing positive. But everything besides that was, you know, it's a well oiled machine. The fact that they were even able to pull that off, everything before the event, everything during the event went really well. In terms of the fights, can't get much better than that. Obviously, I think that maybe the lowest appreciated depending on who you are fight was probably Michelle Waterson and Carl Esparza, but the pace I think and the surroundings just, it, it didn't click that great, but everything else was wonderful. Shout out Justin Gaethje. Um, when you're going to add technicality and placement and timing and every, every everything technical on top of the power and the speed and the aggressiveness, could be better. Watch out. Um, I feel bad for Tony, but it is what it is. I think he'll probably fight Connor at one seventy. seeing as the weight cuts probably what got him and drained his energy, not really allowing not really allowing him to do what he wanted to do creatively and kind of just playing Justin's game, which was, turned out to be a unfortunate circumstance. But I uh, hopefully he bounces back. In terms of Dominic Cruz and Henry Cejudo. Wanted Dominic to win, I don't know enough about reffing and MMA in general to say whether or not that was an early stoppage. It looked like he was getting up, but he was taking damage, and it was a really well-timed knee on the um, on the roll from the punch. So, hopefully that vacated belt, maybe Dom gets a shot, maybe one fight, and then he'll fight whoever wins. Probably Peter Jan, Algerine, Sterling, but we'll see. And besides that, Cowboy unfortunately lost again. Where he goes from here, we'll see. I'm surprised he didn't take, he took the fight to the ground. I'm surprised he didn't do more with that. Compared, compared to who we just talked about, Bryce Mitchell, he looked very tense. And we know he has a good wrestling background and a really good submission background. I mean, I referenced the arm bar in the lead up to Bryce Mitchell. So that's surprising, but he's been doing striking for so long. I mean, it probably um, just you got to work that back in, and he he probably has at BMF, but who knows? That just surprised me. And Francis Ngannou, man, that's a scary motherfucker. I uh, gotta get that heavyweight division sorted out. I would not want to fight Ngannou. <laughs> that's I I know that there's three certainties in life. Uh, death taxes and not wanting to fight Francis Ngannou. I'll tell you that right now. But um, thank you for listening, everybody. Of course, find us on the social medias. If you enjoyed the content, leave us feedback. Peace.